When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Fright School. Are you ready? Class is in session. Hello and welcome back to Fright School. Ah. <laughs> Hi, Joshua. Hello, Joe. Oh Look at you. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> <sighs> Look at you. It's been an age. That's not true. I mean, it feels <laughs> like it. Ah. How has your week been? You know, my week has been fine. Did um, we haven't talked since you came back from La Bowling, right? From uh, Lost Wages. Yes. In La Bowling. How was the bowling? Um, the bowling was fine. It was good. Um, it was, uh, well, I mean, I say fine cause I had nothing to do with the bowling. I just, I was, mm-hmm. I was not an athlete. I was an athletic supporter. Ah. So, you know, there was that. It's better to play with the team than with yourself. Yes. <laughs> um, it was, it was actually kind of fun. They, they had like a, there was like a bowling stadium. Uh huh. Um, I sent you the video. You saw the March of the Bowlers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is just for the benefit of dear listener. You yeah. know. Um, it was, it was a lot of fun. And Jimmy Kins did very well. I mean, well to me, he might have other things to say about his own performance. Right. To me, he did very well. Yeah, I wouldn't know. I mean, I feel like as long as people like take the ball and hit like even one pin, I feel like that's a miracle of physics. So I'm like, go you. He was um, he in uh, the games uh, when I was there for the team event, like the first game because it's a three game series. So in the first game in the series, he was picking up a lot of spares like he picked up. Almost every frame was just spares, mm. but it's also like the the this particular stadium is like meant for professional bowlers. Ah, so she's a professional. Yeah, so the the uh, the really um, the good amateur, the novice, you know, the intermediate amateur, um, a weekly league bowler, uh, still is going to have some trouble because of how technical the lanes are with like oil and like there's all these things that uh, b- bowlers can blame stuff on. So Yeah. You know, it's so interesting. I had quite a few conversations about bowling this week. Cause not only did I talk to you a little bit because I knew you were going to that, but one of my classmates, he's like been bowling. He's kind of like little Jimmy Kins. He's been bowling yes. since he was a kid. He did it with his grandmother. I okay. Jimmy Kins did it with his grandfather. No, he did it with his, um, he was like in a league as a kid. He like oh I thought he had some story about one of his well like, he and then when he was an adult he would bowl to, like to hang out with his mom and stepdad okay okay well whatever this guy was his grandmother I think he said and he just like fell in love with it since he was like eight so he's been bowling you know for a while mm-hmm. and he brought in because we have this like. Uh, class project it's like show and tell but it's called pieces of me because it's a counseling class you know so you have to bring in something that's on like a monday i am waiting <laughs> on a tuesday i am fading sorry that's yeah the song pieces of me uh, yeah i know where well you knew where we're going yeah, yeah. But anyway um, so pieces of me did he bring in his bowling ball no he brought in uh so the project is like you bring in something that's like of significance to you and like tells us something about you and so he brought in he got a ring for bowling uh 300 so he called it ah, his 300 ring because yes. i guess it's like if you get 12 strikes in a row like that for the whole that's i guess the whole game or something well if you get a you strike bowl a 300 every, if you get a strike every frame yes 
Yeah, a, so a perfect game is three hundred. Yeah, so he had like his, so he brought in this ring to talk about the first time he had done that, but now he's done it like fifteen times or something. Uh, but he said he got a ring, and I guess they don't do the rings anymore. I don't know. I he was talking about it, but I guess he said that um, they don't do it anymore. So he's one of the last people to have gotten a ring for. Uh, bowling a 300 uh but he talked about like the physics involved in the whole thing of like what it takes you know to like bowl a 300 so anyway so i had that whole experience he also demonstrated some bowling stuff for us with a water bottle showed different swings and how like he could make the um the water bottle turn how he wanted it to based on how he moved his wrist and so he was showing us and catching it it was really neat she's a water bender right yes uh so had that and then because it was passover we went up uh north to see the Sam Squanch's kin and uh, do Passover. Mishbuka. Yes, and his dad, the Mishbuka. <laughs> Meet the Mishbuka. Colitis. Psoriasis. Phlebitis. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. The Mishbuka. Anyway, so we went up to see them, and his dad is a bowler. Bowls every week, loves to bowl, blah, blah, blah. And he and I have never really had any reason to discuss that, <laughs> but I had this week. So I was like, I told him about, I was like, oh, our friend is is actually in Las Vegas or was just in Las Vegas like competing in the tournament and then I was telling him about the the kid in the class and so he got into like I mean it was I turned him on and you know like he just went going with uh, talking about the oil that they put on the oil all, all about stuff. the oil yeah. <laughs> he was just going on and I was just like okay wonderful um, oh I did God. not ask but I love that you're talking to me this is wonderful I learned um, I learned so many terms last year um, my favorite terms I turned into a drag name, uh, Brooklyn Doublewood. Oh, um, that is a good one. Yeah. Brooklyn so, Doublewood. yeah, Brooklyn is when you, Brooklyn is if you're right handed or whatever your dominant hand is when you throw the ball, it's you get a strike from the opposite end. Ah. So if you are right-handed, you should be technically getting the strike from the right-hand side. But if it goes on the left side of your best friend's ride trying to holler at you, then... Right. Then it's a Brooklyn Doublewood. Yeah, then it's a Brooklyn... But no, Doublewood is different. So Doublewood oh. is two pins that are... Two pins lined up right behind each other where it looks like one pin. Oh. So it makes it more difficult to aim. I see. Yeah, so Brooklyn Doublewood is my mm. bowling drag name. I once knew a double wood. It just was exhausting. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So yes, bowling, and everyone is always like, "We should t we should go bowling with James." And I was like, "Y'all, it's gonna no. make you feel bad about yourself." Like, I mean, <laughs> well, I mean, I mean, I mean, like if you if you're like, "Oh, I'm a good bowler," I'm like, "Oh yeah, yeah. what do you shoot?" And it's like, "Oh, I you know, so I'm happy if I break a hundred. And I'm like, "James is not only gonna break a hundred; he's gonna like you know almost get to two. Probably past two. Um, I really enjoy watching him bowl. So you know he has his he's he has his routines and stuff. I know you were like bowling mom. You know? I was. You I had was... like all the pictures, the video, and just like what is bowling? Yeah, all about you the bowl. So exciting. Uh, yeah, I do love. I I I I personally enjoy it when people are in their element. Like I love watching you perform right. music because it's just like you are in your. You are in the thing that gives you joy. Yeah. Do bowlers have nice butts? Because you have to sit in the back, right? You have to sit behind them. It's not a sport you can really watch from the front. Oh, no, you front. can't watch from the front. Yeah, you know, so, like, they have to have good butts, I guess. I, I mean, I'm not going to say that's not part of <laughs> what I enjoy. Because every time we're at, like, um, you know, seeing they're always watching, like, when we go up to see, you know, um, Daddy Squanch, uh, he's watching, like, football or baseball and it's just like there's lots of nice uh behinds yeah, on, these, on these fellas you know mm -hmm. so it's like well if nothing else at least i i mean because i have to sit there and watch it because that's what they're mm -hmm. watching so i just sit there staring at the tv like oh this is boring but at least there's something to look at <laughs> you know <laughs> um i'm just gonna i'm just gonna gloss over this okay and, uh, that's fine <laughs> Oh, I see. When you want to talk about things like this, then that's fine. Then it's all Jergens and other bullshit. <laughs> but um, I plead the fifth. Yes, but uh, yeah, I feel like yeah, I've like there's part of me that's like, oh man, yeah, let's have a couple drinks and get like really stoned and go bowl. <laughs> <laughs> no, I I've told I've told James a lot, a lot. I'm like, we need to get like Gomez and Morticia to come bowling. Yeah, just like 
just to see you. I'm just terrified of injuring somebody. I just know. Uh, you're not going to. No. You, you, no. First of all, the shoes alone, the rental shoes alone. But then again, if we told you we were going to go bowling, you would probably buy your own shoes. <laughs> Um, well, just to make sure that they go with my outfit. Yeah, exactly. I would just love to see you in like yeah. your gothy wear, your like you know shaded spectacles and oh, wide brim hat. What if it's like Patsy on Abfab, like they're playing ping pong t- table tennis, <laughs> but she thinks that she's doing cocaine, and then she finds out that she's not, but she really enjoyed table tennis, <laughs> ping pong, and so she's like horrified. Like, what if that happens? What if I go and I'm like, this is awesome and really fun, and suddenly I'm a bowler. I mean, you are from the Midwest, so I will not. I don't doubt that it's somewhere in your heritage, in your lineage. We used to go every now and again when we were kids, 18, 19, you know, the same, but exactly that. Like, you know, you'd like smoke a little bit, have a drink, and then like, let's go to Gl- Glow Bowl, you know, because they would like do Glow the, Bowl. the black lights, you know, so the whole place would be like a fucking neon paradise and you're like trying to bowl in it. I don't know, whatever. <laughs> Let's go. What's it? Let's go. Let's go. Let's rock, rock and roll. roll. Hey, come on. It's whatever. It's a we're gonna score, score tonight. That's tonight. Yes, Grease Two. We got. We're just just dropping all kinds of bowling stuff on you today. I was gonna start singing reproduction and uh-huh. the stay on. Um, yeah. So you know, I've been. We were in Vegas. Yeah. And so it was, was a good fun. weekend otherwise. Did it was you a see good any weekend. shows? Do we anything? did see a show, yeah. actually. Yeah. What'd you see? We saw um we saw this show called Opium. Um it was at the uh, Cosmopolitan. Um are you mm-hmm. familiar? You just like picked that up in the lobby and took it back to your hotel room? Uh, uh Opium. <laughs> yes, we just pick it up. <laughs> um no, so one of James's friends Is um, this like Cirque du Soleil kind of shit? No, it's oh. circus, yes, but it's not Cirque du Soleil. Okay, okay. It's very, very not. Um so one and of, I take him as Celine didn't show up. Celine did not. Okay. Uh, she was not there. She, <laughs> she was, was not, not present. Oh, big am. Her. <laughs> um, no, she. So, <laughs> yeah. Um, so most of James's bowling crew had left because the la- they bowled at like 7 a.m. On, on Sunday. And then most of them like just, you know, drove back. Uh, later like that We did day. not come to Las Vegas for anything but the bowling fuck off yeah so, <laughs> pretty much um so he but he and i stayed so that way we could have like you know an, like a basically yeah, a free yeah. day in vegas and um one of his other friends who was staying at cosmopolitan he had some free tickets uh to go see opium so we saw it and uh, essentially what this is is that it's a uh, it's by this production company called spiegel world they they're most famous for their show Absinthe, which is at Caesar's Palace. Oh, okay. Have yeah. you you know familiar with Absinthe? I'm familiar. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like that. Only Opium takes place in space, and it's a very raunchy circus comedy show. Okay. There's like, it's really strange acts. How long does it run? It was ninety minutes. Oh. Okay. Um, w- but it was like hilarious intermission. Uh, no, no. Oh, okay. Like just, a, just like minutes. a little movie. Yeah. It cool. actually, we when they started, I was like, holy shit. We, or when it ended, it's like, wow, we've been sitting here for 90 minutes and it's been just, you know. Just it flew by. Class. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Nice. There's a plate spinning and like dildos. Like it's very raunchy. Very, very raunchy. Um, yeah, it was fun. Wow. Well, I'm glad that you had a good time. Yeah, we did. Um, I, I played a little blackjack. Good. I played a little craps. Yeah, did you win any money? Um, I did. Cool. I did win some. Um, oh, sorry, my contact keeps sticking to my eye, making weird faces at you. Uh, oh, no. I'm like, oh, she, why is she winking at me? <laughs> um, like you said, did you win any money? Then you winked at me. And I'm like, what does that like, mean? Yeah, my, I don't know why it keeps sticking to the inside of my eye. Sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> it's okay. Um, we're keeping this in, by the way. Um, yeah, so... Funny. Yeah, we would play a little blackjack. In fact, James got to watch me play a little blackjack, which was really interesting, I think, for him because um, I was doing some really weird stuff. And uh, yeah, it ended up being really weird stuff. I mean, like it was, you know, I, I'm not good at math. James oh. knows this. I'm not good at math, but like I can count to 21. Right. <laughs> so I can count to 21 and up to 25. So yeah, it was it was a, it was a good time. Well... I'm glad that you can count at least up to 21. That makes me happy, yeah. you know, because we know you can't read. So at least knowing some counting is good. Yeah. <laughs> um, 
Good for you. Uh, what did you what do? Did I do? Yeah. Well, I want to know more about the retreat. Yeah, the book retreat. It was super fun. It actually worked out really well. Uh, had a really great time. I don't. It was just one of those things that we. What's <laughs> I think what the, the most interesting thing about the whole situation is that like because we were posting and talking about it on social media we like confused a lot of people like so um some of the people that came were like i keep getting texts from people like wanting to know like how we get like either like tickets to the book retreat or like where do we go like how do we do this and we're like no we just made it up like we just rented an airbnb we brought a bunch of books with us and we just laid around and read yeah, and but it was really was a, confusing to people. Someone was an overachiever and made a fucking menu and a schedule. Like, I think that's what people were not. I think that's maybe where you lost some folks. I didn't do all that. Well, that's the thing is that yeah. someone did that. Yeah, to, to be fun, you know, yeah. and to make it like festive. And so we all had like a little souvenir from the weekend, you know, that like had, you know, yeah, we wanted to have some sort of a schedule because it was sort of one of those things where. Uh, there were things we wanted to do because we knew we wanted to do a lot of reading. Obviously, that was the point. But we wanted to have dinners together. We wanted to have meals together. We wanted to have time by the fire. There was a lovely fire pit. So we wanted to make sure that we built that in. We wanted to have a self-care time. So we did masks and that was really fun. And we played this really cool game where we all had a book and there were, I can't remember what it was called, but there were like cards and you draw a card and it would have like a, um, uh, a prompt on it. And you'd have to find a sentence in the book or a word in the book or something, a phrase from the book that fit. It was like... Oh, that's cool. Uh, Cards Against Humanity in a way. Oh, like, okay. So it was like trying to be funny. And, and so that was really, really cool. So it was it was super nerdy, super geeky, super fun. But yeah, I think a lot of people were like, wait, you're doing what? So I feel like we had to keep kind of explaining. It's like, wait, did they provide the food? Like, no, we cooked the food. Like somebody is making the food, you know, so... It was it was very that part of it was interesting, like where I'm just like, why aren't people understanding what this is? Like, just get some friends together and rent a cabin. Well, I think people couldn't fathom like the amount of effort and detail. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, and again, we are trying to test this because we want to do it again and we want to make it bigger with like more of our book clubs, you know, bringing more people together and doing it and. Uh, you know, maybe getting a bigger house and, uh, you know, talking, you know, about the food stuff. Because I did all the cooking and then another friend, like, did a lot of the washing up. And so we kind of split up stuff. It was very communal, very communist. I loved it. Uh, you know, I kept saying, like, there were moments because it was kind of desolate and weird and we're, like, making food together and, like, spending time, like, t you know, it felt like we were in, like, a zombie movie. <laughs> like, those moments when you're in between the zombie attacks. Yeah. <laughs> So I was like, what if, like, the apocalypse happened and we all had to live together? And, like, this is where we're at and we have to, like, plant some food and stuff. What are we going to do? I don't know. It was a weird thought experiment. Uh, we did watch The Rental, which was, was super the, fun. How did that go? Over? Yeah. It went uh, – we watched it early so it was still light out so that there would be time to, like – you know, digested a little bit. Mm -hmm. uh, I think I thought it was fun. Everybody enjoyed it. And then the next night we watched Satanic Panic. So that was also really fun. Aww. It was not my original intention. I was going to show Scream, but I brought the 4K version of Scream that I didn't realize the PlayStation wouldn't play it because oh, it was too old. Oh, I see. Yeah. And I did not buy the combo pack because I bought the steel book. Uh, so I didn't have the So you just had Satanic Panic? I brought like a bunch of stuff because oh, I brought okay. stuff that I thought was like actually scary and then stuff that I just thought would be fun. Like I brought Tourist Trap. Oh, you bought like um, uh, a Slumber Party movies. Exactly. Like because I just thought it'd be fun to throw something on. So but we did that like each night we watched like on Friday and Saturday night we watched movies. Um yeah, it was it was a really good time. Like overall, like I I read a ton. Uh, I finished this book called The Jigsaw Man. That was really good. I read. Um, I've now finished it. Um, the uh, Chasing the Boogeyman by Richard uh, Chismar. Chismar. Uh, he and Stephen King have collaborated before. I read a ton of Angela Davis's autobiography, which I've also now finished. Uh, so yeah, it just felt good to just read yeah, and not read for like class. Read like for I, pleasure. Yeah, I brought stuff because I thought I would read for class and do some homework, but I did not. 
so <laughs> this coming back this week's been a little rough because I've had to get caught up on, you know, when, I'm in the end of like the semester, like in the next couple weeks. And so I need kind of every minute possible <laughs> that I'm like dicking around, <laughs> you know, not like this, like fright school is programmed in like there are certain things that are programmed into my schedule every week. So I know that. Yeah. So losing a whole weekend, especially losing all day on a Friday, which I don't have class on Friday. So I usually use that to read and write papers and stuff. Yeah. So I lost a lot of time this past weekend. So. <sighs> yeah, you're usually really good about being ahead of the game. Yeah, I have a bad case of senioritis. I was going to say, someone got senioritis. Yeah, I really do. So I've been kind of riding the line real close this semester where I'm kind of finishing stuff as it's due rather than early. So I'm well, trying is to... Your, is your admission to grad school contingent on the grades for this? Or are you just, you're just in for this semester? Are you um, I, No, it's not contingent on it by any means because I have, you know, a pretty good GPA. But I can't fail anything, you know what I mean? Oh, I know. I mean, like, but, yeah. you know, they say, I mean, they, they the, the phrase C's get degrees is... Oh, uh, no. Like, I'm not going to leave, I think, with anything less than a B. I, that's only my research methods class because I hate that class and I hate math. So there's a lot. Like, that class I don't really care about. Like, I planned that I would probably get a B in it. May, I mean, I could get a C in it depending on how rough they grade our last like projects i have an a in it right now though but there's a few things dangling out there that he hasn't graded yet that could bring that down a little dangling participles yeah but uh most of my classes i've got a's in and i will probably leave with a's so i'm not concerned about like the no. grades either it's just oh. i have to do the work and it sucks you're such a sucks. much better student than i ever was like you really are now like when i was younger i wasn't so i definitely i have a lot more fire under me to do to do better because i do want to get into a doctorate program yeah, eventually. but see here's the thing i think i would be worse <laughs> if I, uh, I would like i would like go to brown where they don't give you grades <laughs> yeah i think it's just you know, some of it's like doing this show because I like to read and I like to research. So it's like there's part of it that's like I love doing things like I like school, you know, a lot more than I did when I was younger. And I also have the time for it. Like when I was younger, it's like I had to work all the time and I was dealing with a lot of like familial drama. And there's just a lot more distracting me from doing good work. So there's it's definitely a privilege that I have to do well now. Mm -hmm. that I didn't have when I was younger. And so, and I recognize that. So I don't like, I'm, I'm only in competition with myself. Like I have, you know, friends who got lower grades, you know, I made the Sam Squines jokes all the time that like he, he is not the student I am in any way, shape or form, you know, and he never was. So, but people I think have the idea that he's like super academic where he's not. Yeah, I think, yeah. You know, I, he just gives off that air. Because he's super smart. It's not that he's not. And again, oh, not, exactly. not that those things equate, you know. It's, it, it, so I, I think that's where we get into yeah. trouble. Because people yeah. think that, like, I, you know, I get a, I get a, people think I read a lot. And I'm like, I yeah. really don't, like, you yeah. know. But I enjoy it. I enjoy class. So, yeah, so that's all going well. Uh, fun stuff, though. I went, I saw Trix and Katya last night, their live show. Um, well, actually, it'd be, it was a couple nights ago, I should say, adjusting for uh, release time. Uh, super fun. The, you know, live show. It was, I mean, of course, it was really funny, obviously, because it's them. But I, I was having a hard time figuring out what parts of the show were like, written to kind of be a fuck up because the idea is that, that like Kelly Mantle was in it she plays their manager and so they're having to put on this show for this like company called Klarma so it's Klarna but you know and so they're like you have to put on like a Broadway style Shakespearean show but like obviously they've not like it's a total mess kind of thing so it's like the show's presented as if they're making it up as they go along because Katya didn't bother to learn any of the lines and so like Trixie comes out in full Shakespearean regalia and starts the Shakespeare of it all and then Katya's like no I didn't learn like what we're supposed to do so the whole show is like them fighting and arguing over like kind of how to build a show last minute <laughs> and but it seemed like they were having legitimate technical issues, but I was like trying to figure out if that was part of the show or not because like Katya's mic wasn't working. So they brought her out a hand mic. And at first I thought, well, maybe it's just a joke. Cause like Trixie also does things in the show that make it seem like she's sabotaging Katya as well. Like there's a, you know, a, animosity between them. Uh, so I was like, is that real? But then there was a few times where I 
because of where we were, we we had really you know nice seats close to the stage, but we were kind of off center a little bit, so you could see when they go behind stuff that she looked a little like this is some bullshit, like fucking San Diego Balboa Theater, you know tech problems. So and they kind of kept referencing it, so I just felt like you know. There were just some t- issues that were going on that I think made the show. And it was their last one of the leg of the tour. So it did feel a little like they were, I don't know. There were just times where it's like, are they over it? Like they're ready yeah. to rest. <laughs> <laughs> are they ready? Are they done? Yeah. And I know from, cause I watched um, Trixie's last, uh, one of her last videos on YouTube is her like, she's like, get ready with me before the show. And she was talking about different things. Cause she said, you know, it's really interesting doing these tours with COVID because they can't, socialize so like the production company has been doing things like renting out like bars for them or renting out places just for like the cast and crew to like have social time and hang out and like you know decompress and i um was wondering about that because they also made a few jokes about like you know really needing to get laid because i think that they can't like use grinder they can't you know this all the stuff they normally would do on tour is kind of banned, you know, so because of COVID. So it was just like, yeah, you could kind of feel at times like, like they're, they're, you could tell this is like a last shell. Like we're going to get a month off and then they, I mean, they'll be back on the road. They've got other dates coming. Uh, but yeah, so. But this was the last leg. Yeah, yeah, the last show of this leg. Yeah. But it was, I mean, again, it was fucking hilarious. Trixie sounded really great. Uh, I also like because they, you know, they did talk to the audience a little bit, kind of made fun of people in the closer rows. There was a girl who like got up and started dancing and Trixie was doing a number. And when she finished the number, she was like, sit down, Mary. This isn't (laughs) (laughs) Build-A-Bear. She also did a whole song about... um, that the show wasn't great and it wasn't, it wasn't the worst thing and it wasn't the best thing. It was just whatever, you know, the whole kind of song. And she like interrupted it to do a whole thing. And she's like, you know, how are the poor's doing up there in the balcony? And she did a whole thing about poor people. <laughs> that was fucking hilarious. And this guy way, way up there was like, I love you. She's like, I love you too, poor. <laughs> it was so terrible, but it was really fucking funny. So, and there was just a lot of that, you know, it's what you expected. It was really, really funny and weird super weird so i recommend it if they're coming to your town on the next leg of the tour you know go go and see it uh and also go see your local drag shows you know we're gonna do that soon we are gonna do that soon go see all the girls see all the girls fuck man i'm sorry i'm bjork is like staring at me i I don't this this Bjork thing is what a jerk. <laughs> I have to um, change it. I'll switch it over. I have some new vinyl coming, uh, some new records that are okay. that have been released. So I'll I'll replace it. I'm gonna see Orville Peck a week from tonight, Monday the 25th, uh, and I'm gonna pick up his vinyl. Lovely. Hopefully they're selling it. Crossing fingers. Um, and I'll put that there, and you can stare at Orville Peck's Bronco uh, for that's the next not, few. That months. is not a euphemism. <laughs> Uh, I was trying to think what else, anything else like happened this week? I've been so busy like with schoolwork that I have not really, I haven't even really watched anything. I realize I watch stuff. I just don't tell you about it because it's not horror related. Like, no, I know. I just finish. I mean, the, sometimes I try to find like, I finish Abbott stuff. elementary, um, yeah. which, you know, is great. Um, it's the horror of the American school system, but yeah. it's a comedy. Um, I'm really excited because this week's my birthday. Yeah. My birthday's on Thursday, which is going to be fun. Um, you know, I'll, I'll drop my uh, Venmo in the... <laughs> 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 I'll drop my Venmo if you want to. Yeah, we're going to go out for your birthday. It's going to be fun. Not this week, but soon. not for your actual birthday. Yes, but soon. We will yes. talk. We will. We will. We fun. actually need to plan that after we do. this. <laughs> we do need to plan that. All righty. Well, I guess, um, you know, we'll... Uh, take a little break and then we're going to be back to uh what are we going to do joe you're supposed to be running this show <laughs> i was like i'm so willing to just let you <laughs> i've been i we're going to come back we'll talk about that in a minute but we'll come back and we're going to talk about uh 2019's thirst 2009 oh, i'm sorry 2009's thirst see i don't i, I, I know i cannot prepared. wait for this to be over <laughs> Meanwhile, in New Jersey... So, Marissa, what talking points do you want to hit on in this week's episode? Well, Jackie, let's talk about how the film addresses the patriarchy. 
Ooh, and representation of marginalized people. Ooh, ooh, and even philosophical ramifications of good versus evil and We horror. can point out the triangle boobs, talk about the blood splatter, and oh, the practical effects. <sighs> um, and also the male gaze. My gaze at the males. hi From feminism to fangirling, the Jersey Ghouls cover all the bases of horror from a woman's perspective. New episodes are uploaded every other Sunday. Just search Jersey Ghouls to find us on social media and your favorite podcasting app. And we're back! <laughs> yes, we are. Very much like a radio DJ. Um, yeah, I, I kind of can't wait for um, Joe's takeover of Fright School to be finished because I am so willing to just be the dark passenger once again <laughs> and to not do any of the driving. Oh, we're definitely doing this again because it's been <laughs> fun. It really has been for me. I know you're sitting there with your fucking Ouija boards, clack fan, just like <laughs> swarming here, warming, you're like drinking your your liquids and you know all that stuff. Judging my performance at every step. I'm not judging you at all. Believe me, I know it's not easy to try to carry. You know, yeah, because you do it. You do it with such a plum. <laughs> Um, so we're here to talk about 2009's, right. 2009's uh, Thirst, which is a Korean film uh, that came out then. I already said the year, so I won't say it again. <laughs> and um, it is uh, directed by uh, Park Chan-wook. Um, Joshua, tell the folks where they might know Park Chan-wook from, because I definitely did not know where they might know him from. Which uh, kind of surprised me, because I thought that you would have watched some of like the movies he's done. So wh- I was first introduced to him because of uh, Three Extremes. He had a uh, a piece in there with, uh, let's see, where is it? What's one? Was that also where Dumplings, is Dumplings in Three Extremes? Yeah, but I think, <sighs> see, I, I always get it all mixed up because they did a weird like well whatever so the one that he did it was dumplings cut and box cut was directed by park chan mm-hmm. um which is about a film director who has like a, an extra like takes him and his wife hostage and it's like really really it's a really interesting piece so that's how i first was introduced to him mm-hmm. or you know the work and then he's also done um, really, I think, famously for most people is like the old boy uh, yes. film. The original old boy. Yeah. And then along with like Lady Vengeance, uh, he produced the Snowpiercer film. There's another film called The Handmaiden, which I think is pretty controversial. So we'll have to take a peek at that. Um, oh, he directed Stoker. Uh, which came out, that's 2013. That is, who else is in that? Mia Wasikowski, Wasikowska and Nicole Kidman are in that. Oh, and Jackie Weaver and Dermot Moroni. Dermot Moroni. <laughs> Stoker, like Bram Stoker? Yeah, it's like about, I think she's, what is the story of that one? I haven't seen it in so long. Um, I, I can't remember. Um, I actually think I maybe didn't even finish it because I I was excited by the name and then I was like, well, I'm not exactly. I need to go back and rewatch that. Not the point. Uh, the point is he's also we just read for one of the book clubs I'm in, The Sympathizer, mm-hmm. uh, by uh, Viet Tan Nguyen, and super uh, really good book. And he's direct. It's going to be a TV series. Ooh. Yeah, that I think. Let's see who else uh, cast in that so far. Oh well. Oh, sorry. This is not for the television version yet. Uh, I know Robert Downey Jr. is attached to play. Uh, I think the idea is he's going to play like all the American characters, uh, which I think is an interesting twist on you know how it's like white people think all people of color look the same. So to have like one white man like play all the white people, I think might work really interestingly. Yeah. But we'll see. That's what I'm assuming they're doing because that's sort of the rumor that I heard. Uh, but anyway, so that's kind of some of the stuff that I mean. I'm sure people know him from other things. He's got quite a mm-hmm. filmography. But there we go. Anyways. Well, thank you for that 
uh, Park Chan-wook uh, deep dive, <laughs> <Retrospective>. <laughs> deep dive slash very like you know cursory glance at his uh, his uh, filmography. Um, yeah, so I chose this film. So let me tell you a little bit. I chose this film because I was looking through several lists there of like what uh, what films that are good examples of Catholic horror, right? And this film was on the list, and it was actually a list that was compiled by a Catholic magazine, um, which I thought was really interesting. And um, I hadn't seen it. I know you haven't seen it. Uh, so before we get into it, uh, we'll start as we have been the last couple times when I'm in charge. Well, the, this only time when I'm in charge, <laughs> and you haven't seen a film. Uh, Joshua, what did you think of? What did you think of the film? Thirst. Uh, I I really enjoyed it. I definitely look forward to watching it again. Uh, I thought it was really fun, funny, very darkly humorous at times. Uh, had some good themes going in it. Um, I. <sighs> I want to watch it again because I feel like I either missed something or I'm just not clear on, I'm still not clear how he became a vampire. Uh, I, I, I'm just, I'm confused. I'm confused why others in the area didn't become vampires. So yes. it's just weird if it's like extension of the virus. What I read online, the 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 description was just like, the whatever the blood was he got, you know, transfused with must have been vampire blood or something and turn him. I don't know. It was tainted. Yeah. Tainted. So I don't know, but, uh, you know, it reminded me of like Byzantium. It reminded me a little bit of like some of more of those meditative vampire films that I really like, like let the right one in that, I've, you know, obviously I mentioned that almost any time we talk about vampires, uh, obviously the ending really recalled like 30 days of night, uh, so I I really I enjoyed it. I thought it was a good pick. I was proud of you for also choosing a foreign film, putting something in the in the in this mix that's not, um, you know, just from like a Eurocentric perspective. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, I I appreciated that getting getting something else out. And I'll, I'll be curious to hear if you have uh, thoughts on. Uh, what the heck is that? Oh, sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> a little, uh, sorry, a little distracted by... Um, we heard sounds outside. Yes, I think it's children. Uh, I'll be curious if you know, I mean, maybe putting you on the spot about like uh, South Korea and like how Catholicism made its way there and, you know, maybe what this might... What's being discussed, but sure. but we'll see as we as we get along. But I, I enjoyed it. Did you enjoy it? No, I didn't. Uh, okay. <laughs> the, I mean... People are going to start thinking that I'm xenophobic if I, <laughs> the more that I don't like uh, American films. Um, no, I thought it was weird and interesting. Um, it's not. I, I think people know by now that I say if I say I enjoyed something, it means that it means that I will usually watch it again. This yeah. is not a film I feel the need to watch another time. Um, also, because like I'm, you know me, like this is the same complaint that I had with audition is that I. I like there to be, I like it to be kind of to know where the story is going. I like to be Mm. able to keep track of things. And this film was just like from a structural storytelling lens was so many different places. And then all of a sudden, like we just have to accept that this is the reality. Right. Like there was like, there were no trend, like no transitions that were satisfying enough for me to like realize like, okay, here we are in this part, this transition here. It was just a whole, it was a whole thing that I just was not, I was not, I, I wasn't on board with. Mm-hmm. Um, and I barely could keep up with the narrative too. Um, I actually figured out, I think, what the whole vampirism thing was. Okay. Um, well, so by the way, folks, if you obviously are, if you don't know by now, Thirst is a vampire movie. Um, oh yeah, we didn't even. Yeah, Thirst is a vampire movie. So uh, we have this priest, uh, and uh, Hyun, I think it's uh, Hyun Kwa, um, Hyun Wang, or something. Um, Sung Hyun. Sung Hyun. Is his thank name. you. Yeah. So Sung Hyun is a priest who. Um, it volunteers to be a part of a, a research study on a new vaccine for the Emmanuel virus. Yeah. 
and EV they call EV it. they call it <laughs> and um, it's pretty much a death sentence like there is very little recovery once you become infected with the virus that it's going to work um, so you know he's just going to try to you know for the you know ad majorum dei glorium as the Jesuits say for the greater glory of God and to help humankind so he goes and does it and um, he becomes infected and the way that like the virus presents itself is that there's sores on the body there's internal hemorrhaging he coughs up a lot of blood I knew as soon as he started playing that recorder I knew the blood was just going to come like shooting out of it yeah it definitely had Ebola vibes like a hemorrhagic fever some sort of hemorrhagic fever and so he um, (laughs) so here's the thing he gets it he technically dies. They give him a blood transfusion as he's on the table dying and he wakes up and he's praying. And all of a sudden you were back in Korea and he's just like walking around six months later. People are very, um, are following him. They're trying to be his disciples. They think it's a miracle. They're trying to get cured from him. Yeah. So he was one of like 500. Yeah. He was the, he was was the only one of the 500. And so survived. Yeah. And so where we're having, or where Joshua mentioned, like, we don't quite understand where, how he contracted the vampirism. I think it was probably not so much the blood transfusion itself, but perhaps his reaction to the virus. So, like, um, in a similar way of how, like, you know, they're, like, people have, like, allergic reactions to certain things. I feel in my mind, he contracted vampirism as a function, as a side effect of him um, also uh, getting the um, getting the vaccine for the virus. Yeah, I don't know. Again, they don't they don't make it too. I didn't feel it was clear. I mean, maybe if we watched it again, because, you know, it adjusting into the story, maybe it'd be more clear. The things that I saw online seemed to say it had to do with the transfusion but yeah again i mean but again it could also be because he had that transfusion of new blood that he you know fed yeah yeah yeah. something about his genetics and the whole thing and the virus you know uh yeah i don't know so we had all that um and then like you know we get to places that are really strange. Like he meets an old childhood friend. He starts like having an affair with, or he's interested in having an affair with his friend's wife. She is living a very, you know, desperate existence and, um, you know, hilarity ensues. So when we're talking, so, and the other thing that like one of the reasons why I didn't like it is because like it was, this is kind of what I get for choosing films that I've never seen before is because they, or don't know much about because it wasn't so much like the Catholicism of it was kind of incidental. Like, I mean, mm-hmm. we can talk about uh, one thing that we'll, we'll, we'll definitely talk about in the next episode in our last episode, but also we can start talking about it now is the idea that like what distinguishes Catholic Christians from all other Christians is the idea that like in their celebration, in their mass, they practice true presence and the Mm -hmm. true presence meaning that like by the consecration of the body uh, by the consecration turning the bread and wine into literal body and flesh and blood of jesus christ and that's the true presence transfiguration the transfiguration the trans uh transubstantiation transubstantiation sorry um the but like it's that idea that the um they're different from every other one where it's symbolic Right. Where like if you go to a communion service, it's like grape juice and crackers. Whereas here it's like in Catholic mass, um, it's literally what is happening um, that that is it is uh, being physically present so much. So and we mentioned this, um, we mentioned this a little bit in one of our previous episodes that consecrated host uh, like can live and be adored as if you're in the presence, literal presence of Jesus Christ. Um, and when you, like, there's even, like, a special basin, um, I think it's called the piscina, but it's, it's a special basin in the, um, in the sacristy, in the sanctuary of the, of a church that, like, you, you just can't, like, you know, brush crumbs away, (laughs) or, like, you know, the, the remnants of the blood, you have to finish it, and then if you, you know, you can't, you put it down, it goes down a special, uh, drain that goes directly into the earth like it's mm. 
so that because you don't want to waste it's not to be disrespected in that way but again a lot of uh, that idea of true presence plays is something that people who are huge um skeptics huge critics like critics of catholicism play with a lot the idea like you know these christ like these cannibals practicing like a ritualistic cannibalism um where they're eating literally the um their deities flesh and blood um and all of that and those are things that like never really bothered me as a kid but also like as i started to like think more about it i'm like yeah it did maybe kind of bother me um and you know that's the other thing too where like in the in the in the hebrew translation of like when when in the in the mass during uh during the consecration where you know jesus said you know do this in remembrance of me drink my body eat my flesh like the jew the hebrew translation is like that is like to to do something in remembrance means to like make it present again so like you actually how in the the manner that the priests are doing it is in the same manner that jesus did at that time and so it's that kind of calling consistently calling back and that's how you remember um but again like i i and when you're talking about a horror context like it makes total sense that like they go right into this idea that you know a blood blood sustains life or blood can give um eternal life or and i don't even think they mention specifically eternal life even though towards the end they do because you know uh uh he was like oh i'm gonna you know the priest is like oh i'm gonna like i wanted to live forever with you but it's not something that they even really talk about it's more that um the he realizes that in order for him to stave off the effects of the disease he needs to consistently drink blood um which reminded me of uh hotel american horror story hotel right um when the kids get like the measles and have to keep drinking blood so that way they don't die measles yeah i thought that was uh a really i definitely felt the presence of this film and other things Mm -hmm. you know like it was clear like yeah i definitely feel like hotel you know watch this what year did that come that was like um i'm looking up vamp a little bit and i'll look it up right now <laughs> vamp right <laughs> well i think the first season came out like 2010 or so so it had to be like after this it was well yeah well yeah, after yeah uh, so 2015 yeah it was hotel so i feel like hotel definitely was influenced by that and like the hunger uh even like Byzantium again, I felt like there was some of that in, in there. Um, and then I also felt like, you know, I could also see other vampire films within this, you know, those like, you know, there's always the meditations on like, is this right? Like the moral, you know, struggle of, you know, the taking of life or the need to uh, subsist on others in order to, you know, to live forever or to, you know, in this case, like not only live, but also, you know, keep the effects of you know the boils and all those things and the you know puking of blood you know, from the di- disease you know keeping all of that at bay uh but yeah i think that uh you make a great i mean that's exactly a great point about like the this like ritualistic cannibalism in catholicism is just i mean a great playground for imagination mm-hmm. so it's like you already have uh, True Blood played with that, obviously. I know they also kind of were saying that, like, vampires have always been interested in the systems of power that humans built and making sure they have a place in it. And so, obviously, you know, at one time, the Catholic Church was, you know, the most, one of the most powerful entities on the planet. So, uh, ideally, yes, vampires would be installed in high positions in it, you know, to keep their own uh, interests uh Mm-hmm. Um, whatever. There's uh, also like some media representations or, or some some versions of the vampiric myth that uh, uh, <laughs> that uh, Judas Iscariot right is also a vampire, himself. right? Or like the first, like his curse, yeah. you know, for denying or for um, causing. You know, the, the crucifixion from, yeah from turning Jesus in, which that, I that always call. Curse. I also always call bullshit because it's like is how like if everything is known 
right? So like if the sac- if Jesus's sacrifice was known and necessary for the salvation of the world, then like that means that Judas had a specific role to play. Right. But you know, we're still going to cast him and let him live in a block of ice in the center of hell and you know all that stuff. Like but he if he had not done that, right? Right. Then we wouldn't so I, I, I'm, that has always been a curious thing. Joe, for you're, all the logic that you're bringing, it just doesn't work. You know, well, I mean, because I agree. No, I mean, the same thing. Uh, believe me, I like drove people like this is why I had to leave the church, you know, because I'm just like, none of this makes any sense. It's same thing with people are like anti-Semitic and they're like, you know, the Jews killed Jesus. I'm like, did they not play a like the role they were supposed to play yeah. based on your omnipotent God's yeah. will? Like... So I don't understand that either. Like, you know, like everybody, everybody had their role to play to make sure that what happened happened so that like he'd be martyred. Yeah. Whatever. Again, I mean, that's a whole other conversation we could get into, I'm sure. Uh, And I don't, uh, I don't know even still where I kind of lie on, you know, my belief and all of that. Mm -hmm. Anyways, but exactly. Very good point, Joe. Judas had his role to play. And if he didn't, somebody else would have. And we'd all be saying, you know, whatever. uh, Oh, you're such a Mark or a Thomas or whatever other, you know, white people name that that all these people in doubting Thomas, the Middle East (laughs) had in the Bible. Oh, right. Exactly. (laughs) Whatever. Jeremy. And yeah. uh, Uh, Yeah. I don't know any Middle Eastern people named Bartholomew. Mark. Yeah. Anyways, uh, I'm just naming names that I remember. Joshua, actually, speaking of. Um, Yeah, so I I felt like obviously there's, you know, going back to like the, the Catholicism of it all, I do think it's interesting, of course, to position like a priest in this because one there, you know, we, we kind of have all these expectations of priests, like, you know, to not, you know, indulge in the flesh and something about like vampirism is such a, like, at least within most, in a lot of contexts, like such an affront to like God, you know, living forever, you know, you're taking away the meaning of life, you know, you're, you can't be in the sunlight, you have to like stick to the night. Uh, There's a, an intense desire associated. So I felt like within this film, at least you, you're, they're using, like they could have gotten rid of all the vampire stuff and just made this a film about like a priest falling out of his faith and, deciding to like surrender to his desire to sleep with this woman and then, you know, kill her husband for her and deal with the consequences of that. This film, that the film could have existed as that. Yeah. Without, without, without the vampire stuff. And it would have still probably been a very interesting, you know, film. Um, Obviously, I mean, I like all the vampire stuff. I'm just like, when you, when you think about like removing, like what is the story without all of that? And so the vampirism I feel plays, well, I don't feel, I mean, obviously I'm sure other people and you know, have made this sort of analysis of it, but it's like desire and particularly desire for really dark, um, forbidden things you know like living eternally or being a priest and wanting to have sex with your friend's wife (laughs) yeah i mean again like and then doing it the idea of like i mean it was probably what stephanie myers right who wrote the twilight series oh yeah and like you know vampirism (laughs) talk about curses all right vampirism (laughs) as like an allegory for like virginity Um, and like fluid exchange you know that whole idea of like you know um, in this in this interesting way, though, like, you know, you in the same way that like, you know, Christians or Catholic Christians specifically uh, attend daily mass, receive communion. So as to be like in communion with the in communion and like and have their souls be unblemished. It's uh, the there's a parallel there with like this, you know, this priest, he needs to drink blood in order to like remain physically healthy and well. Right. And, you know, and to remove like, you know, his actual blemishes. blemishes. Yeah. 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 Um, But also at the same time, like he mentions it too, when he was talking to um, uh, Teju, I think is her name, right? Mm -hmm. Teju is the, the, his friend's wife. 
it's like you know oh he's now awake like he's he feels more alive than he ever has before and now he's it's it's interesting because like he he did he made his choice to be a part of this experiment it was successful in whatever way it was successful and he ends up like now he gets to live his life and so he chooses to live it in a way that like you said is an affront to is an affront uh, yeah, to quote yeah quote yeah, yeah. within affront. the context of like god and religion yeah and you know again much hilarity ensues um uh, yeah i i think it was more commentary not so much a commentary on like true presence and communion but definitely a commentary on like the stringency of the vows that priests take and right. and talking and speaking more about like that kind of desire. Mm-hmm. Um, Teju was such an interesting character too, because like, I feel like we see this a lot. We see like the, we see someone who, especially in vamp in vampire lore, when you're in when you're, when it's a newly turned person, it's mm-hmm. like their, uh, their human life was nothing to write home about. And then they came alive and, had all of a sudden, you know, died and had like more reason to live than ever. And now they get to live like with impunity. <laughs> right. Godlike. Yeah. Yeah. She definitely, y- y- you see it immediately with her character. Like she's kind of in this cruel situation with the mother in law and her husband isn't, you know, they're not, it's not a great situation. And so as soon as she like realizes like she can basically fly. <laughs> and has do whatever strength. yeah do whatever she wants like she just like goes for it i mean she's very like um the 30 days a night kind of vampire you know she's just like i'm killing everybody yeah. this is super fun this is the best thing ever you know so she's like having herself a good old time and he's like obviously torn about that and that's you know brings us to you know the conclusion that he knows they both have to die in order to like save the world uh because she's you know, she's completely out of control uh which again is another i don't know there's like got to be metaphors for that too in there of like you know well because like the whole women the whole priesthood taking thing, the power um well the whole priesthood thing is about self-denial right, right. like there's a there's a certain uh there's a certain level of um uh, you admire someone who constantly practices, lives in a life of self-denial. Right. And so it's a know, virtue. It's a virtue. So by denying, by, by only killing and like uh, ethically, right. All of the Cullens, right. Oh, right. <laughs> you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. Only killing ethically or, um, oh no, more like Byzantium, really people who are like assisted suicide at the end of their lives. Right. Um, offering them a way, uh, not only to for him to benefit, but essentially for right. them to you know be useful in the final days, and then she's living this you know complete hedonistic, animalistic existence mm-hmm. where, you know she, she was not like that at all in her living life, but now that she has more power, she's able to wield it more. Um, yeah, but but again, it it kind of plays to still his like pr- even though he even though post them having sex he like don't call me father anymore i'm not a priest he uh <laughs> he still practices that like self denial is something to that self control yeah when again i mean i think within the context of the film like I, he is horrified by like the acts that he's going to have to do in order to but he's like still figuring it out cuz he's like we don't have to kill people like we can live off of you know, like I said, his like human Capri son <laughs> at the beginning with the IV where he's just like slurping on this dude. Oh, my God. I was like, if there was ever like people often ask me like, oh, who if you were an act, if, if you were to be played in a movie, who would play you? Um, besides Harvey Guillen, that guy. That guy. <laughs> like I was like, Joshua, there, that's me. I'm that's I'm the guy in the coma <laughs> that talked about fucking cake in the beginning. And then, you know, immediately became a human Capri son. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That was, that was amusing. Uh, but you know, he's like trying to figure out how they can do it without, uh, killing. And that, again, that does happen. It depends on like the mythology that you're in. Mm-hmm. Uh, because one of my favorite book series, the last vampire, like she 
kills at the beginning a lot because she enjoys it. But then as she continues to live, she like loses the taste and she realizes that, oh, we don't have to kill people to survive. Like we can make them. But other vampire stories, it is the mer- the taking of the life because it's like the life force, the soul force that you're bringing in. So sometimes you know, it is. But it seemed like this, it, there was a choice. Like you didn't need to kill people. He could have lived without but she's just like, oh, fuck that. I'm sucking all these motherfuckers dry yeah. and leaving a huge mess and being extremely irresponsible with it. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, they got bodies all shoved up in places. Like, I know you like open. It's like, not going to work. <laughs> you open a door, there's bodies there. You open a door, there's bodies there. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I have to say I do appreciate they let the Filipina live. Um, you know, not not many places did that these also these like oh these men are also awful like that's the other thing the people that she's killing except for maybe the motorist <laughs> that was like my favorite actually my favorite scene of the whole film oh, was yeah. where she like sets the trap for the motorist and like gets hit but then ends up killing him yeah um, how she tosses him over like the cl- the uh like a culvert there and then yeah. like jumps over yeah that was that was a really nice sequence that and then like jumping building to building having this like philosophical f- argument <laughs> was, yes. was really super it fun. was like a, like you said it was like a video yeah game. it was It was like yeah, watching yeah. mario go to different places like yeah Peach. yeah again i i agree that the film is very uh tonally all over the place yeah but i, I agree you know. i agree too but more in a more um i, I agree in the sense that like it, it did not help like it it reminded me too much of audition and for that reason i'm out <laughs> yeah uh, well do you uh is there anything that you know about like how catholicism came to korea or like how like because he would um park uh was raised catholic i read that he he was raised catholic and he became an atheist but it kind of made me wonder i mean i imagine like everything else imperialism and colonialism but <laughs> yes imperialism colonialism i mean that's one of the funny things about uh, where i start to feel like oh this is a hum- this is a comedy is when um the priest goes to the research center and they're like, we found that it infects, you know, because uh, it was in, obviously in like Africa, maybe like Senegal or something. Um, we found that it infects like, you know, priests who are white or Asian. And I'm like, oh, like you mean like missionary priests? Um, it's killing missionaries, essentially. Um, I, so to on- answer your question, no, um, I don't know much about um, the about Catholic faith as a reg- as a uh, in regards to. Um, in like East Asia, um, Christianity is all over that though. I mean, like there's huge that, you know, that's, um, part of that is also like, you know, a function of immigration and, you know, having, um, countries where it was not so, I mean, in the, in the case of like China, right? Like, you know, there, the state ran a lot of things, so there was no religious freedom, yeah, this, um, I found something, it's like a brief history of the Catholic church in Korea, uh, Catholicism was introduced to Korea in the 18th century after Yi Sung-hun, who had studied Chinese translations of Catholic texts, joined his father on a trip to Beijing in 1784. While there, he sought out a Jesuit missionary and was baptized. Uh, Sung-hyun returned to Korea with a handful of others, founded the Catholic Church in Korea in the mid-1780s. So there we go. There we go. So he brought it there and... Uh, says the freedom to practice their religion was officially granted to Korean Catholics in the 1880s, a hundred years after it was founded. In that time, about 10,000 Catholics were killed in persecutions. The Catholic church in Korea says uh, that in 62, 1962, the Catholic church in Korea restructured into three archdioceses and eight dioceses, formally making it an autonomous local church rather than a mission territory. So that's interesting. So not uh doesn't that doesn't sound like it's somebody came there and forced it on them but uh, a, a korean citizen brought catholicism there he found he found the light he found he, the way he found the way um interesting thank you for that i didn't even think about uh researching that specifically i seriously thought see f for you because i thought that you <laughs> 
I was like, he's going to have like a whole thing about like how this like plays in, you know, like how Korea like became Catholic. Cause you've had, like we've had nice little Catholic lessons on each. Yeah. Um, you haven't really provided the Catholic minute no. on this one. I'm going to be honest with well, you. Well, the, the transubstantiation. The transubstantiation. Well, that. that, this is also like, these are things that you need as a primer for the next. Right. Episode. I know the final piece and all of the this final will all come together. Beautiful piece and all of this. Yeah, that's true. These three. Uh, films we've watched do lay kind of the foundation for that discussion. So that will be fun. Yeah. Or should be. Do you have any closing thoughts? Uh, like I said, I, I'm looking forward to watching it again. I, I did enjoy it. Uh, I, you know, I grade a lot of horror on a curve. I especially grade vampire stuff on a curve because I do like to see things I haven't seen before. And I felt like this was a mythology that, again, I want to watch again because I would like a little more clarity on that. But there were some things about these vampires that I haven't seen before that was interesting, uh, especially with like the um, at least, I guess, contextualizing it within the the time frame, the the chronology, because it came before Hotel and became before other things Mm -hmm. Um, I hadn't seen. You know, I, I think it kind of did some interesting things with their vampires. Uh, I also, you know, I, I thought it was, like I said earlier, meditative. There were some, you know, interesting conversations, especially when you bring like a priest into into vampirism. Like that's that's gonna open up some interesting conversations about eternal life, yeah. about you know the the right and wrong of the whole thing, especially when you think about the history of the fucking church, you know, and all the horror committed. So it's just, it's, it's just such a fascinating lens to have, you know, a vampire story. Yeah. You know, in, in a Catholic one. Yeah. And it's, I think that like, we see a lot of like, we, we rarely do we see like, you know, in any, especially, especially in any horror, but where like the priest is a good person. Right. <laughs> like we really see that very, we see that very rarely. And I think in this way, it's like, you know, he is definitely struggling with that. And I'm curious as like, I don't know how much of this is already was already in him. Um, and that was just amplified by the vampirism or if it was just all just the completely because of the vampirism that his like struggle with like morality and good mm-hmm. and evil. Yeah, no, I think he is definitely presented as like a quote good person. I mean, he volunteers to basically be, you know, infected with a horrific disease on the off chance that it might help that it might work and he might help create a vaccine for it. So, I mean, yeah, I definitely think that he has like a self-sacrificing like he he thinks he's a good person and he wants to be a good person and do something good for humanity. Yeah, uh, you know, and in the end, sacrifices not only his own life, but you know, this woman that he believes he loves. You know, takes them both out to save the world from, uh, you know, rampant vampirism, basically from becoming, uh, you know, like daybreakers. You know, five yeah. <laughs> humans left for all the million vampires to eat. So yeah, I, I know that's the premise. Still haven't seen it though. I know one day we'll watch it. I mean, this also like I, again, like I I love talking about this because it's bringing us back to how much I loved our vampire series um, that we did, uh, and it's it like gave that Byzantium kind of conversation. And yeah, I I really hope that we get to do that in the future again. Yeah, one more time. But yeah, I I have no other things. I'm just really looking forward to next week, next and week, the final and the final, the final, the final piece of your of your of your little capstone yes. project. And we have a special guest coming. We won't say who yeah, yet. That'll be fun because it'll be part of the show. But yay! Yeah. So thanks again, Joshua, for letting me you know colonize this space. I love it. <laughs> it's super fun. All right. Well, uh, we will see you all next week. Good night. Good night. Fright School is produced by Joshua Napier and Joe Farron. Our intro was edited by Davy Boy Productions. Our logo was designed by Jamie Channel Guzman. Episodes are edited and engineered by Joe Farron. Fright School is produced in terrifyingly beautiful San Diego, California. <laughs>
You're listening to the Geekscape Network. 